Hey everyone, first off, we at The Familiar Strange want to acknowledge and celebrate the first Australians on whose lands we are recording this podcast and pay our respect to the elders of the Ngunnawal and Ngambri and Wurundjeri peoples and Squamish Nation peoples, past, present and emerging. Let's go. Hello and welcome to The Familiar Strange. I am your familiar stranger today, Emma, together with my familiar strangers, Matthew. Hello. And Sean. Hi there. Before we dive into today's discussion, did you know that we have a Facebook chats group? Join us on The Familiar Strange chats on Facebook and provide some valuable insight on today's episode. What are we thinking about this week? Well, Emma and Matt, I've been thinking a lot about chat GPT. Uh, this week. It's been out in the news. There's been a petition put out to pause further AI um, research uh, in this space. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of what I've been what I've been thinking about. How have you both been maybe interacting with ChatGPT or, or thinking about it recently? Well, it's funny you mentioned that because I actually asked ChatGPT what it thinks about the Familiar Strange podcast and it gave me an answer. <laughs> So it says, The Familiar Strange is a podcast based in Australia, correct, that explores the diverse and complex ways that humans interact with each other and their environments. The podcast is hosted by a team of anthropologists who bring their expertise and experience to bear on a wide range of topics related to social and cultural issues. Each episode of The Familiar Strange features in-depth discussions on a particular theme or topic, with guests ranging from academics and researchers to activists and artists, Some of the topics covered in the podcast include race, gender, sexuality, religion, migration, and globalization. What sets The Familiar Strange apart from other podcasts is its emphasis on the personal and the experiential. The hosts and guests often share their own personal stories and experiences, drawing on their own perspectives and insights to shed light on the complex issues they are discussing. Overall, The Familiar Strange is a thought-provoking and engaging podcast that offers a unique perspective on the world around us, and it's definitely worth checking out for anyone interested in anthropology, sociology, or social and cultural issues more broadly. What do we reckon? Well, thanks, ChatGPT. You've just made my social media posting a lot easier. (laughs) It sounds so so neat when um, when we say it like that. It's so cool. It's really, really interesting that AI, I should say, is able to just draw all of those, all that information probably really quickly together, right? Yeah, it sounds like a best of the best of the abstracts about both the familiar strange as a project, also what we do on the blog and with the and with the podcast, sort of all taken from the website, from different bits, um, from different podcasts that we've made, and thrown it all into one quick, easily accessible abstract, if you will. Yeah, what I found really interesting is it obviously reads like the about us section of our website, but what I found interesting was the third paragraph when it tells us what sets us apart from other podcasts. I found it interesting that it was trying to kind of insert its own almost critical voice into its summary. So that that was the thing that really struck me about this kind of uh, response. And You know, if anyone has played around with this AI technology, you know that you can keep asking questions, you can keep refining, you can get more specific. And I haven't gone into that much detail. I just asked it uh, generally what it thought about the Familiar Strange podcast. But yeah, interesting. Matt, have you had a go at playing around with 
chat GPT? I have actually, yeah. So um, I've actually, my, I think my um, my friends told me about it initially and I was a little bit skeptical, but I figured, you know, it'd be a fun thing to play around with. And um, I asked it a few questions. Um, I think one of the questions that I asked is going straight to the, you know, easy topics in life, talking about the voice to parliament and the white Australia policy. I was really curious to see how much information could be gathered and is there a limit to what uh, the AI in this instance can provide in terms of the information. And what I found was really interesting was that is it was really good at collecting information, right, and summarising it in a way that's easy to read, but there was a sort of uh, disconnectedness from the humanity of the topics that we were talking about, right? And, you know, that's probably a fair bit to ask of an AI to you know, explain the, the pain and, the, you know, the, the heartache, you know, the stolen generation or white Australia policy brought on Australians. But it's something that I've also noticed as I've played around with it more is that it's missing, it's got all the information, it's all there, it's very knowledgeable, right? It can collect knowledge very, uh, collect information really easily, but the uh, human element is probably not there. It's um, probably something that either A, needs to get worked on or maybe not worked on right depending on how some of these um you know big execs see the pause on ai research whether or not we want to explore that path further the you know adding the human element to it or or not is is another question entirely as an outsider sean that probably hasn't used ai or used chat gpt as much what do you think yeah yeah you you hit it right on the spot i'm a complete luddite when it comes to uh accessing and, and operating <laughs> chat gpt or gpt4 at the moment um, I'll pick off where, where, where you left off, actually. I think it's an incredibly important point is that, you know, you are missing the, the human and the personal element in a lot of the responses that chat GPT or GPT-4 is able to offer. Now with the additional, uh, uses of, of GPT-4 of being able to pull, pull videos and pull pictures together, um, and create that, it, it sparks, you know, the opportunity um, to generate perhaps further misinformation or to have a conflation of what misinformation is and you know what the truth is in in scare quotes truth and what what isn't real uh, or in also in in scare quotes and gpt4's ability to be able to recognize information from factual and non-factual information is just not quite there yet so that's that's uh I think that's something I'm sort of waiting for uh, before jumping into the into the deep end on on using ChatGPT. Um, but yeah, I, I find it I find it fascinating. I'm I'm a little wary to to jump in and use it. I, I maybe I'm I'm scared by uh, by Hal from 2001: A Space Odyssey and what it did to poor poor Dave. But yeah, I'm I'm sort of I've I guess I'm I'm biding my time to to see how people decide to work out the kinks and, and what is made of maybe some of the arguments around creating checks and balances uh, within the software and the technology itself. You know, uh, how do we stop the generation of misinformation? Um, how do we stop the proliferation of uh, racism and the uses of this uh, technology and this AI to create um, forms of, of hate speech or other uh, types of negative stereotyping uh, that goes on? Because that's certainly a it's a possibility that that can happen with this. Yeah, I think that really hits the nail on the head. The problem with so many of these AI-based technologies is is that old software engineering adage, you know, garbage in, garbage out. 
like the type of data that is feeding these kinds of programs, which includes us who are playing around with it, has such a huge impact on on what it's able to produce and how it's spread. In thinking about these checks and balances, uh, there's obviously a whole host of implications for educators in higher ed and primary and tertiary education. Um, Yeah, Sean, did you want to speak to that? Implications for education? Obviously, with proofreading, uh, it gives everyone a a leg up uh, in that business. We all have our own now personal uh, GPT-4 copy editor um, for any essays. or abstracts or, or, you know, anything else that, that we write. Uh, so I think it can really be used as a, as a tool for, for good for f- teaching and helping with correct grammar, helping with sentence construction. But then again, the flip side of the coin, it can also write convincing essays uh, at the undergraduate level or convincing um, papers. And so it requires uh, m- more consideration on the part of, of instructors, of educators, um, to be thinking, well, you know, genie's out of the bottle. We're not putting AI away. How might we work with chat GPT and these AI technologies to improve the learning and the writing of our students? So incorporating maybe assignments where you use chat GPT to double check in the classroom in real time, um, your grammar. So doing small bits of writing assignments and build over time, um, as I like to do, uh, in many of my courses. Um, but then using that AI technology to, to help improve, to source some of um, the additional background information maybe that the students are missing and then show, have the students show how their work is, is different or, or accelerated um, or changing with the uses of this technology and then have a discussion around it as well in the classroom. So I think that's one way that uh, it might be used sort of uh, for good with undergrads. So I was listening to an interview with some researchers from the Center of Excellence for Automated Decision-Making and Society, and one of the researchers brought up a really good point about higher education and essays being so formulaic, the kind of five-paragraph structure is so easy for ChatGPT to mimic is because it is a very set formulaic structure. And so in a way, ChatGPT has forced us to kind of be critical of our own pedagogies and approaches to critical thinking. So I guess the question I want to pose is, you know, we're so worried about ChatGPT taking away critical thinking skills. Is there some positives to come out of this in us prompting us to be more critical about our, our teaching and our approaches? I think coming back to the point I raised earlier that, AI and chat GPT probably is lacking the humanity. I think what it does to a degree, it allows us to explore further what makes humans humans, if that makes sense, right? If it, if we can compile all this information, that's great. But what's the other part? What's the part that's missing from that is the human part. So it allows us to explore further our own humanity, I think, to a degree, which in turn is probably the, you know, the, the formulaic five paragraph essay, right? I think it's how do we return back to, how do we actually convince people? How do we write in a way or how do we communicate in a way that's uniquely human? And I think that's kind of one of the positives out of chat GPT at the moment is that the nature of it is so information dense and heavy, but how do we make that 
our own and how do we use it for good? Well, that's another question too, but you know, that's, that's what I think. I think it's allowing us to explore our humanity more. It's almost like it throws up in front of us a mirror, but it's not a straight mirror. It's a funhouse mirror. You know, it has all these weird curvy bends and shapes and angles uh, to reflect in a way, you know, what we've already put out there, you know, the, the condensed information that is the internet um, on, on what it means sort of to be human, at least, uh, that we've been able to write down and record. Um, although that doesn't get at the phenomenological uh, and sensory experience of what it means to be human and move around in the world, which is a little bit harder to reflect in, in say, words um, or even in emotions through, through paintings. I think with the writing journal articles in particular, it maybe forces the academic community, or at least anthropologists, to, to rethink how we do that you know, writing for, for academic structure. Does it, does it necessarily have to be um, introduction, literature review, methodology, uh, discussion, synthesis, conclusion? Or can we come up with new forms of writing um, that challenge the very formulaic and structured classic, in scare quotes, journal article formula that we're so used to both reading, um, skimming information from, um, but also are forced to reproduce. And I think that gives us more potential to synthesize the different readings, the different styles uh, that we've picked up uh, as writers um, and as thinkers through the years and to convert that into something that, uh, you know, others might, you know, not just find useful information out of to speak to the human experience more broadly, but also to enjoy as a piece of literature, as uh, I think for me at least, uh, the best ethnography uh, in anthropology ought to be. should be enjoyable, uh, good to read, uh, but also capture uh, a modicon of, of what it means to be, to be human in a particular cultural and social setting. Beautifully said, Sean. Thank you. It's almost as if that was written by ChatGPT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he says he hasn't played around with it. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just I'm just, I'm just reading a script. Not, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Sean's yeah. actually not a real person. He's actually the the further evolved version. This is, this is number f- the, the number five prototype. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean GPT leaps and bounds. Sean, Sean, Sean GPT. GPT. Yeah. Oh jeez. Uh, makes it weirder when you think about like, oh, I'm just gonna go play around with Sean GPT. It's just, it's, <laughs> it sounds, it sounds wrong. Yeah, sounds right. Wrong. <laughs> Circling back for a half second to the topic of academic writing with Chat GPT, what do we think about uh, Chat GPT being an author on publications, academic or otherwise? I would think it would depend on the significance of what they were doing the AI wow I even said they what the AI or chat GPT is doing right if they're you know using it to compile data or you know compiling rough amounts of sentences and whatever not a huge deal but if they're doing a bulk of the work well is that really your work is that really the 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 work of the academic that's writing the paper that's really the question that I have encountered to that question right what's how much work is it doing or maybe they I don't know how much work is it doing and uh, in what context are they providing that information or is it providing that information mm. recognition for labor mm-hmm. yeah Sean yeah. that's a quite a sort of deep philosophical question actually it, I think for me it, it gets at 
the questions around, well, what is, you know, what is art? What is human labor? What is intellectual property? Um, if you plug in some instructions to an AI and the AI spits out an essay and you call it co-authoring, is that your intellectual property on the paper? Are you first author for having the instructions or is the chat GPT first offer author for putting together those basic instructions, right? If you're having a conversation with your colleague and you're sort of having a bit of a back and forth or, you know, they come up with a, an idea and it sparks an idea in your brain, but you don't sit down and, and do the writing and, and work through the, um, well, not the questions, but, uh, yeah, you don't work through your own analysis of the material. You're not coming up with the questions, uh, but maybe ChatGPT is putting that together. Are you are you really writing a paper? Is the is the AI writing the paper? For me, I think it's it's interesting to have a, a paper co-authored by ChatGPT. I'm also a bit wary of that. I think I'd rather see ChatGPT or GPT-4 used as say a proofreading form of technology and maybe acknowledgement there. Um, but then, how do you guarantee that that is? only what it's being used for right you have to you have to go on faith from the authors for that uh but i think that's a for me that <laughs> from where i'm sitting that that's a good sort of first step to take i think in the academic um space uh rather than go full bore and start having it co-author papers with us it is interesting you know observing what happens when you put a, you know, an AI powered software out into the wild, as it were, and seeing how it, it is picked up and used by people and acknowledged or not acknowledged. In that interview that I mentioned, one of the researchers used a really interesting heuristic that I hadn't considered, where it likened ChatGPT to Grammarly or Zotero in terms of its functionality and framing it as a tool rather than something with sentience, creativity, humanity a soul and not as a direct comparison but talked about it as a cultural technology something akin to like a library and whereas a library has a lot more labor and and humans involved and the curation is is you know it's a totally different process but thinking about chat gpt in this kind of way is as a um, as a tool or as a resource then gives us a way to talk about how we've used it in academic or other work right then it it clearly kind of slots into the method section it's it's in vivo it's Zotero you know being used for a systematic lit review what do we think about that yeah I think it'll reduce the labor in a lot of different areas yeah if you're using it for don't write me the literature review but give me 100 sources on this topic and 100 papers you know is it going to be able to condense the information in those papers yes is it going to be able to identify false papers maybe you know i guess it depends on the stipulations and the parameters that you that you give it maybe to do something like a literature review but certainly that would save a lot of time and labor of having to search yourself and come up with the correct keywords in order to find the information that you're that you're looking for to do that type of uh, either quick or long-term literature review 
I, I have used it before by plugging in the abstract of a paper I was writing and I'm terrible at coming up with titles, especially ones that are in that kind of formulaic academic language. So I asked it to write me an academic title based on that abstract and it took it a few goes, but it came up with one that was pretty good. It was pretty wordy, so I cut it down a bit, but um, it ended up being the one that stuck. Matt, have you been playing around with ChatGPT in any other ways, something maybe more creative? Yeah, absolutely. So um, in my uh, spare time, I'm, I also dabble in a bit of poetry and I was really curious to see, and most of my poetry focuses around topic and themes of being second generation Australian, Vietnamese Australian, around my family, around the experiences of growing up here in Australia uh, as a third culture kid. And so curiosity overcame me one, one night and I decided to uh, see if it could give me a poem about being Vietnamese Australian and see if it could you know, match up to, the, match up to my uh, extremely low bar of poetry. <laughs> Um, and again, what I found was similar to what I keep harping on about. It's, um, it is all true. It's all accurate, um, statements, right? Pull out a few examples here, but you know, in the morning I eat foil with chopsticks in the evening, I indulge in Aussie barbecues. Like true. Like that's very, very honest, you know, and I've said something similar in my poetry in the past, you know. On Saturdays, I played rugby, and on Sunday, I went to Vietnamese mass, right? But it's also missing that personal element of it. And I think, again, maybe I'm asking too much of chat GPT. Yeah, it's missing that personal element that might connect. It might connect with some people, but I think one of the uh, strengths of human creativity, you know, hand-wavy kind of way, is that there are some very unique experiences that we have as humans, and I think chat gpt might not quite touch on them it's almost there right it's it's almost like when you don't mix enough cordial with your water right it's it's you get the hint of flavor but it's not quite that good stuff you know so that's that's how i've been playing around and that's what i've found that's a great analogy i love that um every time we've been saying you know different words for for the the kind of missing ingredient you know human creativity um the way i've seen it described in other places is soulless and I think this idea of you know the human soul is obviously not a cultural universal but it's something a lot of us do grasp onto and I remember early last year there was a um an AI software engineer in the states who claimed quite publicly that they uh could prove that this AI they had created had a soul it had the equivalent to a human soul. And it created this kind of um, religious, spiritual, cultural, moral panic around, you know, the possibilities of AI and what this could mean. And I (laughs) had been reading about it all day and been thinking about AI and technology all day because that's what I do uh, in my job as a postdoc. And I went to a yoga class in the evening to kind of get away from it all and, you know, have some time to de-stress. And they were talking about it in the yoga class they were they were having a, a discussion about potential of, of you know creating you know manufacturing uh something like the human soul and having it fused embodied in in ai technology um and they were they were hopeful about it they were almost in awe of it and i found that really interesting in this kind of um very whitewashed uh yoga studio uh, that they were having this kind of conversation about 
technology when they are usually so anti-technology in these kind of spaces, right? It's all about disconnecting and getting away and having tech-free retreats. So I, I find this idea of um, these technologies being soulless quite interesting because like Matt, you kept slipping into calling it they – like as 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 if it's an, an an author or you know it's got some kind of personhood and we're interacting with it we're having a conversation with it we're having a dialectic um sean i'm curious in your everyday life of being a, a luddite and not using chat gpt have yep. you come across in the wild any chat gpt creative works or poetry Poetry, um, exactly. And I think I'll leave this question floating and then and then tell you a story about my, my experience with poetry and chat GPT. Uh, but I think it's fascinating that um, all f- three of us, I think, have discussed poetry or poetry has come up as uh, a way of human expression through symbols and language, um, which chat GPT or GPT-4, uh, the AI software, is able to mimic but it is missing a certain i guess magic uh uh, a bit of curiosity a bit of the the soul if you will um of of the human it doesn't quite evoke the same emotional intensity i think um knowing that it comes from from a from an ai uh and with that uh, around christmas time i was uh out for uh, a walk through one of our local botanical gardens in, in Vancouver, um, seeing some of the, the display lights with with a few few of my friends, um, and knowing that I was going to be going back to Europe and spending a few months, um, they were they were sad, and I was sad that I was going to be leaving with them because um, we have a really really strong strong connection, um, and and one of my friends uh, pulls out a phone halfway through walking around and having a good time and drinking hot chocolate and seeing the lights and listening to Christmas songs. He goes, Sean, I, I wrote you, wrote you a poem. And he proceeds to, to, to read off this poem about um, all my great qualities and how much him and all of my friends are going to miss me. And it will be very difficult for them once they're away, but they, you know, it'll, he knows it'll, it'll work out in the end. And it was, it was quite touching. Um, it was really, you know, it pull, pulled on my heartstrings a bit and I was, I was got a lump in my throat and his wife then gave him a shove and said, Sean, no, that's, that's an AI. He didn't write you a poem. It was the AI technology. <laughs> so immediately threw up my hands. I'm like, Oh, you're, what are you, what are you doing to me? You know, you're, you're, you're pulling at my heartstrings. You say you, you went to the effort, wrote me a poem. It's really kind. It's really sweet. And it's, well, actually I just, you know, can you write me a poem about Sean? He likes these things. He's a great guy. You know, the, I I get it. The effort is there, and sort of the emotional intensity had had a bit of a had a bit of a drop. I love this sense of betrayal you felt. Yeah, it's a it's a really kind gesture, right? To have someone write you a poem, no matter how good or bad it is. And I guess if it's if it's really terrible, you kind of think, oh, I wish you hadn't wrote me the poem. The poem was kind of terrible. Going back and and rereading it and and seeing it, uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's a very kind and it's a very heartwarming gesture to have your friend write you a poem even with the assistance of of chat gpt um also yeah very funny <laughs> um emma have you had any experience with with poetry and the use of gpt4 or chat gpt i have indeed i have i mine was not so uh heartfelt i just asked chat gpt to write a poem about my cat pixie 
Um, (laughs) I can read you the first part. Pixie with fur as soft as down, a feline angel without a frown, with eyes that gleam like shining stars. She prowls the house, her kingdom ours. Um, now that does not capture her uh, as as uh, as a, as a cat in this house and our own dynamics and her brother. That just you know just doesn't do her justice. So I asked it to rewrite it just so it it, um, it captured her her colors. So she has black, orange, and white fur. So it really took that. It said pixie with fur as black as night. Orange and white, a stunning sight. <laughs> it's it's trying. It's learning. It it is it is, um, and so it's it saves your your work as you go. So I just I have that now. If I ever need to go back to it and have a laugh, it's just sitting there for me. To go back to talking about sort of writing, right? It starts off with a very broad set of statements i think that's you know when we're writing a an abstract or a set of papers you might think of some of these sort of broad broad statements that you're trying to to convey to get people to think to use the word again broadly uh, about a particular topic or, or theme in anthropology whether it's ai or or otherwise um but yeah with an additional input from you the user uh it gets more specific over time um, which I guess sort of is the way that we work uh, collaboratively with our, with our own colleagues. You know, hey, what do you think of this abstract that I'm going to submit for uh, this conference? You can, you, can you look it over, Emma? You do, and you say, oh, maybe change this word. You know, this is a little bit broad. Can you make this more specific? You can give me like an exact example. Um, and over time, you, you sort of you, you build on it, the iterative process. Um, so in a way, you're, I guess, iteratively building with a it not a they or them yes yeah the, the way i think about it is just as really advanced autocorrect <laughs> advanced yeah. autofill is yep. is essentially what we're working with here mm-hmm. and you're not you're not giving it to a colleague who has all of their you know wealth of experience and insights and styles of writing it's it it is just what it is and you're just yeah it's it's essentially like a a, a sounding board an advanced autocorrect sounding board for ideas for those broad statements and then you take that away and refine it further yeah i feel like one of the themes that i keep hearing throughout all our questions and our discussion today is like the integration of AI into society as we progress, right? And as you said earlier, Sean, like the genie's out of the bottle. We're not putting AI back where it came from. So I've alluded to it multiple times, but it's just missing that humanness, right? That, the, that little touch of humanity. So it's like, what do you think this integration of AI into society moving forward? Do you really think it's going to change how we view ourselves as human? My initial reaction is no. And again, this it comes back to some of the very early debates I had in high school with teachers around the separation between humans and uh, nature. Um, technology has is being created by um, by humans, by software engineers, by startup cultures. It, it's this technology isn't something that is that can be. Even though we love to do this, it cannot be pushed out and be separate from us. It's like plastic. We made it. We need to deal with it. 
um, and you know it could end up in the waterway and and into the uh, ozone and end up killing us all or it could end up being a plug-in to a word document which I think is a more likely outcome with ChatGPT and we'll have some more policies and regulations for high school and uh, university students for you know an even more advanced turn it in to pick up chat gpt and i think our curriculums will adapt to students using it just like wikipedia you know there's a lot of moral panic around uh wikipedia being used but we've adapted and we've moved on i don't think the technology has the power to shape us i think we need to be aware and critical of the the values and ideas embedded in the technologies as they're coming out because they're not being created out of a vacuum. Software engineers and companies have their own set of values and ideas that are being often unwittingly programmed into these softwares. So I think that's the kind of approach that I take to something like ChatGPT and whether it will change what it means to be human. Following from you, Emma, yeah, that's the same sentiment. It comes with a set of moral questions and values and ethics about how we want to use this technology, how we want to to progress it and to not pull apart the human values that went in creating it, but to recognize that um, implicitly and explicitly when we're using and, and begin to integrate these types of technologies into word processing, into the classrooms, um, into our everyday lives to write poetry, uh, whatever it may be. Um, the the potentials are are incredible um but i think it's it's good to be cautious and and critical about uh where these technologies are coming from uh and then how we're using them and applying them uh for the future just like you said emma amen (laughs) pray at the altar of gpt4 that is a whole other podcast topic we could do like the religiosity of AI there's been I've been look had my eye on a couple of papers to read um around like the kind of cult-like religious way and religious language of talking about AI so we could totally do that in the future I'd be down for that I think that's a great place for us to finish up and a great topic for us to lead into for a future episode if you are all interested I've been your host, Emma Quilty. I would like to say a massive thank you to my fellow familiar strangers, Sean and Matthew. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. And a reminder to all you familiar strangers out there, uh, the call for submissions, our editor's forum on popular culture representations of anthropologists, is now open. We're excited to announce this, our very first editor's forum. And as part of this initiative, we are calling for blog submissions on the fantastic topic of popular culture representations of anthropologists so if you send those into submissions at thefamiliarstrange.com we would be more than happy to look them over and include them in this our first editor's forum today's episode was produced by all of us at the familiar strange with support from the australian anthropological society the australian national university's college of asia and the pacific and the college of arts and social sciences produced in collaboration with the American Anthropological Association. Subscribe to the Familiar Strange podcast. You can find us on iTunes and all the other familiar places, including Spotify. And if you'd like to support us, please check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash thefamiliarstrange. Not The Strange Familiars, which is another fun podcast, just not ours. 
You can find the show notes, including a list of all the books and papers mentioned today, plus our blog about anthropology's role in the world at thefamiliarstrange.com. If you want to contribute to the blog or have anything to say to me or the other hosts of the program, email us at submissions at thefamiliarstrange.com and be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Music by Pete Dabarrow. Special thanks to Nick Fairley, Will Grant, Martin Pierce and Maud Rowe. Our executive producer is the wonderful Matthew Fung. Thank you for listening and until next time, keep talking strange.